the Bezos story, I talked about it on the other podcast that I've been hosting and Colin made me edit it out because he's like, I don't think our audience should hear the term dick pics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the crypto basic bitches are mature enough to hear the term (laughs) dick pics. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming and listening to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruke, and today I am here with my fellow co-host, Brent Philbin. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? All right, so today's episode is going to touch on one of our favorite phrases. Unfortunately, one of our favorite phrases, well, not that we enjoy it, but Brent, have I ever told you scammers be scamming? That's a scam! Yes, you have, Kareem. That is a scam. Thank you, Carlos. He's going to be our expert panelist on this episode. Every now and then, you're going to hear him say, That's a scam! When you hear a scam. So, (laughs) what we're going to do today is, this was Brent's idea. I thought it was great. I know we've actually touched on this a lot, so if you're a long-time listener, there's a good chance you've heard some of the ideas and concepts that we're discussing in this episode, but we want to do here in this episode is just look at scams specifically. What are some of the red flags, telltale signs? What are some uh, of the major scams? You know, this was Brent's idea. I want to know where he's going with it. I'm excited. And then we're adding a little bit of a historical twist at the end, if you stick around, for some of history's greatest scams. We're going to do a little <laughs> mini fireside chat there mini, at the end. Mini fireside on scams. Mini fireside. Now, so I was sitting around and I'm thinking, like, how do we do one of our roundtables? We haven't done them in a while. And we, and we wanted a little bit of like an abstract thought. And what was on my mind was Quadriga and all that. And this is an unregulated space. So you really have to regulate yourself and really check into these things. And it is rife for these con people and accidental scams to just go crazy. So what I was hoping to do is just have a discussion on how to identify scams. What are some things that should set off alarm bells in your head so that when you see something and you're like, Hmm, you know what? Brent told me I should maybe look into this a little bit more if, and then it does something. So hopefully it sparks something, you know, it's some of this is going to be crypto related. Some of it isn't. So we're going to try to be all over the place here and just discuss scams as a whole. Right. So this is going to be an opportunity for us to explore all the different ways in which, well, first of all, as we'll be reminded, scammers be scamming. There scammers are be scamming. sharks out there looking to get your money. So it is your responsibility to build the defensive skills to protect yourself. That's what the Crypto Basic team is here for. And we'll also see how sometimes uh, people end up being scammers by accident. Right, Brent, we might get into some of that. But do you want to kick things off, Brent, with the common telltale signs of um, the red flags that tend to kick you off about scams? Or do you want to just give some general conversation here about these scams that you listed, which I feel like they're the ones that inspired this conversation. I see here, Fire Festival, the PPC, Enron, Bernie Madoff, MLMs, Bikinic, Exchanges. I mean, I can see your anger... As you were typing, (laughs) as I'm typing, just like furiously, one of them's got a typo and I'm just going nuts. Yeah. So as I was doing like my brain dump here, I just was firing off the top of my head some different kinds of scams that I was thinking of. I'm going to start off with a quote because there are some people who believe this. And this is a poker player that that said this. 
Uh, his name was Jack King. And the quote was, it is immoral to let a sucker keep his money. And the guy just legitimately believed this. He's like, I need to take money from people who are stupid enough to give it to me. Now, if you put that in the, the context of playing poker where some people are good, some people are bad, it doesn't sound as, as scummy. But if this guy was Bernie Madoff, who had that exact same thought process, you can see how we get from from A to B with with a scam from somebody who seems reasonably intelligent. So I want to start off with kind of the importance of red flags in aggregate, maybe not even specific ones, but just like the importance of identifying them as they happen and the importance of adding them up together. Because if you see one red flag for one company, it doesn't mean that there's something going on. It could mean there's one stupid employee. It could mean there's a a contractor. They're not even an employee that did something dumb. It could mean that somebody didn't realize how stupid something would be when it was looked back on. And it could be innocent, but as they start to pile up, as you've seen in some of the other situations that we've talked about where we believe things in crypto to be scams, as they start to pile up, you have to give more credence to those red flags because they will show you the picture without giving you the entire thing. And I'm going to relate this to poker one more time, Kareem. In poker, we don't know what our opponent's hand is. What we do is we take little tiny tidbits of information to learn what that player's range of outcomes of their hand is. So we may think to ourselves, this person has pocket aces or a complete bluff, and they have some amount of hands in between. The same is true when you're trying to determine whether some things are scams. Now, there are some things that are clearly scams. That's looking at your opponent's hand in poker. But there there are other times when it's not quite as clear, especially when it comes to the cryptocurrency or things that don't start out as scams. So look at the red flags. Look at the aggregate of the red flags. Look at the explanations and realize that there will always be evangelists on the side of the scam. Every scam in history has had somebody saying, you're so stupid, how could you think this is a scam? And many people believe that that's what we're doing as crypto evangelists, podcasters or whatever. They think that we're looking here with the wool pulled over our eyes and Bitcoin is this giant scam, right? They haven't done a correct cost benefit analysis to realize that nobody wins if Bitcoin is a scam. But that doesn't mean that we're, uh, you know, outside of that that area. So, yeah, that that's we're going to get into the specific red flags of specific scams and we'll point them out and maybe we'll even have Carlos come in whenever he hears something that might be a red flag. But I just wanted to touch on that important piece of not ignoring them, letting them build up. And then we'll go over some specific ones a little bit later. Yeah, I actually really like the analogy to poker. Of course, we're showing our bias here. I'm sure the audience understands, but it is talking about how we handle incomplete information. That's what poker is really about, is incomplete information games where we have different layers of information. And some of that information can signal Uh, in a particular direction. And ultimately, we have to make our best judgment. And that's why it's so important to start constructing a probabilistic view of reality. Because really, a lot of times you don't know, right? We're not fully Mm -hmm. sure if something's 100% this or that. But if you have the ability to start taking new information and say, oh, look, it's a 
isolated red flag in a project that is otherwise solid and has these characteristics of blah, 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 blah. Well, that's less likely. That's a safer bet. Or when you see red flags pile up, sometimes you can't even see, you know, people talk about the smoking gun. Uh, A lot of times you don't need that if you're using a probabilistic system, because by the time two or three or four or five red flags piled up, you just said to yourself, yeah, this isn't, you know, (laughs) <laughs> from a statistical yeah, exactly. perspective this is going to this is in the wrong direction so that's how we use flags so when we talk about specific flags part of the reason i bring that up is because we might say something that applies to a legitimate project for example that is not a scam well that's yeah. fine because legitimate projects can have isolated red flags they tend not to have cumulative red flags which are indicative of a high probability of mismanagement or fraud, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to give you a couple examples here of coins that we've talked about on the show. The first one is substratum. The jury is out on whether substratum is actually a scam. They have not exit scammed. They haven't done the kind of closure that you need to say this thing was a scam. I believe that the probability is significantly higher than that. They are a scam than they aren't by magnitudes, but It's possible that I'm wrong. I would never bet on them. I would never purchase that particular item. In fact, I would probably bet against it if that was even a possibility. If there was a short on substratum, I would short it. You know, I guess the only real option there is Bitcoin or something. But the other option I want, the other thing I want to say is something like Cardano, where we're very clearly on the side of this is not a scam. They have a red flag that we've mentioned with other with other projects. And it just happened again. Charles Hoskinson is getting really hostile with people when he talks to them. He's doing like the pseudo David Zonstabo thing. And that is something that we call out as a red flag on IOTA all the time. And IOTA is not a project that we think is a scam, but it's still part of the aggregate system. And Charles just the other uh, just last week, I think, became an advisor on another project. I guess somebody said something bad about him becoming an advisor on that project and then ignoring Cardano. So what did he do? He went on Twitter and said, you idiots and fudsters are are stupid. Just because I'm an advisor on this, this thing doesn't mean that I'm leaving Cardano. You're all idiots. Something to that nature. I'm embellishing. But it, he used the word idiot as in fudster in the first sentence. That one I'm 100% clear on. So just because, and again, a project we like. So both sides of the coin, both things are red flags, but there's so many in the first project and significantly less in the second. Or and even just to lead into conclusions, right? Like the example you gave with uh, the guy who very clearly faked his own death. I, now I might yes. be dating myself. Maybe we already know the solution. But last time we talked about it, we didn't know the conclusion. We hadn't found no, him. He he wasn't arrested or anything like that. So we don't have a conclusion. But when you have a couple of uh, of red flags accumulated, you can make a pretty safe bet. So I think we made a point here though, Brent, I'd like to get into some of the specific red flags that people can be on the lookout for. All right. Tell us about some of these specific red flags. You actually wrote this text in red. So these are doubly red flags. Red flag, red, like stop, stop and look. Okay. So uh, (laughs) these are some red flags. Now I'm, I'm taking this Above crypto, we are approaching. We are here preaching to the general population. These are scams in general. We're talking mail scams, email scams, online scams, dating scams, phishing scams, and the other types of scams that everybody knows about. That I'm mm-hmm. yeah, all of them. So number one, when something comes out of the blue, 
from someone you don't know. You're very likely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, all right. Usually people that don't know you don't want to offer you great opportunities. <laughs> when someone's requesting personal information, That's you might. A scam. Mm-hmm. What about out of the ordinary opportunities that imply you won a lottery or you have a secret investing opportunity you can't tell anybody about? That's a scam. I'm going to tell a personal story just on that one real quick. Uh, my grandfather was a he was a colonel in the Air Force and he passed away like I think three years ago now. Uh, might be might be two and a half somewhere in there before he did. He was really susceptible to these lottery scams. And I don't know what it was in his brain that really made him want to fall for these. But he actually sent his entire life savings to one of them. um, And somehow my dad found out about it, got on the phone with the bank and basically like cried on the phone with them and pleaded with them like he's sending his entire life savings. What are you doing? It's not like it's a lot of money. It was like $40,000. It's like all he had towards the end of his life. There was no big yeah, estate a lot of money. or anything like that. It's yeah, it, it is a lot of money, but it's not like, you know, my dad's got six brothers and sisters. It's not like he had a big, right, right, right. You know, rat in the race here. He was just like really upset that this is happening to his dad. And the bank actually did something they weren't supposed to do and put a hold on the transfer without the approval of the person we did not have power of attorney over him at the time and he was saying i want this to go through i won the australian lottery i want to get this money so i can give it to everybody he didn't want it for himself he was talking about all the people that he was going to give it to because he knew he was towards the end of his life and it was so sad to see but we stopped it we we ended up getting the power of attorney taken away from him at that point and he still tried to do them past that despite the whole family going through this whole mess he was like hey i got another call from a lottery winner like this one's for real i remember playing this one like this i won this one and you know it's in another country so every every few weeks the the, he was in some database and another group would call him and try to convince him that's brutal dude it's it's sad anyway the the lottery thing made me think about that i hadn't even thought about that while i was writing this down no, and as you say, it's um, it's interesting how all of these can prey on different psychological uh, leaks that we have, uh, you know, or let's say weaknesses. We it's what we call them in poker leaks, you know. So another one of these is like the next one is when you're being pressured to make a quick decision, or there's a false sense of urgency because a lot of times that's people. That's right. <laughs> because if you were given the right amount of time, you would often make a good decision, and most reputable companies aren't going to pressure you to make the decision right now at this second. So usually if you're facing that, it's probably pretty bad. Okay, another simple one, but actually pretty accurate in my opinion. Spelling errors. If you see a ton of spelling errors. That's a scam! Brent, this sounds silly, but it's true. Uh, An email sent from a professional company that has actually gone through an editing process is probably going to be more properly edited than like... Somebody sending out email scams, you know, phishing you know, scams. I actually read that this was intentional, that they put the spelling errors in there as part of the funnel almost. Like they want only the people that are stupid enough to ignore the spelling errors to go through the process of speaking with them and talking to them about the lottery that they won. So or they the have a higher batting over. average once they get someone on the phone, basically. Right. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Sick. Scammers be scamming. Yeah. All right, if it sounds too good to be true, and I wanted to go on a little tangent here and talk game theory with you, Brent, um, and just basically talk about the idea that 
it's not that something that is too good to be true couldn't exist, right? Like theoretically. Right. I think the way that we should look at it is if something was so good, so amazing of an opportunity for somebody, it would get scooped up so quick and reach an equilibrium that it would like cease to exist almost immediately. If there really was like the magical investment, the super secret thing, like it just wouldn't spread that much through all the nodes in the system, right? Like it would be, I don't know, somebody created a, a cure for some disease, like that gets scooped up pretty quick by a small group of people, right? They're not going to go to like you and be like, hey, I found your email on Reddit and I want to give you the chance of a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think kind of a rule there when you're thinking of like grand opportunities almost is how easy would it have been for them to reach out to somebody else? Do I just happen to be friends with Bill Gates? And he told me, look, I, I just stole this shit from Steve Jobs. I'm pretty sure it's the future. Look at this. I'm giving you the opportunity to get half of this right now for a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, yeah, Bill Gates, you're kind of a dick. You don't have any friends. Like I understand that I'm the only one that you ever came to with this opportunity. Plus you stole it from Steve. I kind of like Steve, but this looks like a good thing. I'm going to take this. And you know, that that's a unique once in a lifetime legitimate opportunity. Are you going to be clicking on an Instagram ad? That is a once in a lifetime legitimate opportunity that right. you're never going to replicate somewhere else. Probably <laughs> <Right>. not. <laughs> is there is there a landing page for your unique opportunity? Probably not a unique <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, and uh, last one I got here, Brent. Another weakness they like to really attack is they try to instill fear, and this can be done by very different methods. For example, by telling you that you got hacked that your possessions are at risk, that somebody got into your bank account, that you broke the law, that we're the IRS and we're coming for you. Any kind of threat that can make you feel fear also makes you more susceptible to scams. It can be fear of missing out too. There's a lot of different fears. Absolutely, fear of missing out. Like, holy shit, I'm gonna be left behind on this once in a lifetime opportunity. I better get in there. Uh, the, the thing I wanted to say here is one of the scams that goes around there on the internet is somebody messages you and they're like, Hey, I got access to your webcam. I have some videos of you <laughs> in front of your computer when you were watching porn, you're going to need to send me this much Bitcoin or else I'm going to show those people. And I read about like people falling for that. And, and in my mind, because I'm me, I'm like, uh, what? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, I <laughs> legit. No shame. So if you, if you have a video of me jerking it, nobody wants to see that. So go ahead and give it out. <laughs> no, but that way hey. you can pay me crypto for what you got to see. For those of you that have seen black mirror though, the episode with the kid that's being blackmailed the whole time comes to mind where he has to do all yeah. this crap and then they just troll him and release it. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's the that's the thing I've never understood about blackmail. Like you just are legit that person's slave the rest of your life if you decide to, because it's not like they're going to say, OK, I'm going to blackmail you for 10 minutes and then we're good. They're just never going to give it to you if you cave into whatever they're doing. Right, right. So, no, yeah, they always hold that power, which, oh, my God. OK, now we have to touch on it. Please tell me. Sorry, everybody. Little random bonus, but we get to do this. This is my hosting power. Please tell me that you've been slightly following the Bezos story. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> where they not just only have I been following, 
the Bezos story, I talked about it on the other podcast that I've been hosting and Colin made me edit it out because he's like, I don't think our audience should hear the term dick pics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the crypto basic bitches are mature enough to hear the term (laughs) dick pics. So I love dick pics. I just wanted to make sure you're following Uh, hilarious real power move. there, turning the blackmail around. I, uh, I'm not necessarily a fan or I don't know how I feel about Jeff Bezos, whatever. Good for him. But uh, that was a power move right there. So, yeah. All right, Brent. So why don't you actually give us the the structure? I mean, are these things built from the middle out, from the top down? Or would you say that they're from built from the ground up? I think there's two different, very clear ways. Not always clear which one it falls into, but very clear ways scams come about. There are scams that are built that way from the ground up. So the Nigerian prince scams, the the, the Bitcoin you're jerking at scams that we were just talking about, uh, multi-level marketing scams. They are built ground up to intentionally be scams. And the other thing that happens is a lot of these companies, and I think a lot of Ponzi schemes fall into this, is they were not originally created to be scams. But they ended up being that way because of some bad decision making along the way that they keep compounding with worse decision making and hiding and scrambling to rob Peter to pay Paul. And then eventually it all comes crashing down. Uh, Is there a difference in the eyes of the law? I don't think there should be. I think they both should be handled exactly the same way. But um, but there there's at least a little bit of sympathy in the second one where you're like, man, that person kind of started out doing the right thing. And then uh, then they just made some bad decisions. So I'll talk about kind of the. The first set, the ones that are built that way from the ground up, right? So multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes. These are the ones that they're all built the same way and they all topple down eventually. The difference between the two, between a pyramid scheme and a multi-level marketing scheme is one thing. Pyramid schemes don't have a product and that's it. So the way the pyramid schemes got around the law of not allowing pyramid schemes is they started incorporating a product. So if you ever get pitched on an MLM, if you get pitched on Herbalife, if you get pitched on Mary Kay, if you get pitched on any of these things, there is a product there and they try to tell you how cool their product is, but most of their pitch is about you selling that product. So the product is just this weird catalyst that's there, but it just passes from hand to hand to hand to hand and never really goes to somebody as a consumer product. I mean, some of it does, but it for the most part, it's an overpriced thing that under delivers. Sometimes it's even more of a an abstract item. I know there's this YTB travel thing that was around for a while back in the day where they were just like you get to be a travel agent. So you but the main thing you're doing as a travel agent is trying to sell other people on the ability to be travel agents and they basically yeah. just gave you access to orbits or whatever one of those aggregators, right? And skinned it as something different. So those kinds of scams they don't work because you need people under you to create the the wealth going upwards and they function the same way as a as a ponzi scheme because the uh as we'll go into later the way a ponzi scheme works is it's fueled from the newcomers to the to the old people so same thing if you're at the top of the pyramid you might actually make some money in a pyramid in a pyramid scheme or an mlm yeah, and I know we're, we're, they should be used interchangeably for some stupid reason. There's a law that makes one legal and one not legal. A pyramid scheme would just be, hey, I have an opportunity for you. You're going to go out and you're going to get five people to give me a dollar and then I'm going to let you 
give you know something like that but more right i guess a little bit more advanced. the the point i'll make brian when it comes to the mlm i know we may have mentioned this before but of course the reason it's not sustainable is they're telling everybody go out and get more people and more people and there's just right. not enough people in the world because that exponential growth happens very quickly so the market becomes saturated and what it actually yeah. is is a strategy where the employee is the customer so most of these mlms like brent's explaining are making most of their money just from the people who are trying to work there so you know, your employer shouldn't be the one making money from you. And and that's another flag that we should have said. Uh, I know that there's exceptions. I know we're going to come up with more. <laughs> yeah. I, obviously, there's exceptions. But the more that the line is blurred between the people who should be paying you and the people that you pay, the more that your eyebrows should be raised. That's a pretty unique dynamic. For the most part, you're either the person providing a good or a service or labor, you know, and you're paying right. for it or you're not. That's how commerce works. So that's this is a flag. So, so those are built from the ground up. The next thing I would say is I want to mention BitConnect specifically. You mean BitConnect? Um, Bit- yes. That's a scam. They, I, I want to talk about them specifically because they are a project that really you could give the benefit of the doubt and think, man, maybe they really thought they had a trading algorithm. No. No. <laughs> we look at that and we can see that it was created ground up to be a scam. They kept their trading algorithm secret from day one. Uh, they said they had this whole exchange, but the exchange wasn't really used. You know, they they were a ground up scam. And we'll talk a little bit more about them in a second. Um, Enron, another one that I believe was probably a ground up scam specifically because of the way they took advantage of the laws rather than like accidentally ended up with too much debt or something like that. And then another another crypto example would be Fcoin. We talked about Fcoin. They created an entire system to incentivize people to wash trade, which just means they're going to basically be siphoning the money off of these people the entire time. And also at the same time trying to make themselves look legitimate. And there and there's a bunch of transaction mining sites like them that are causing the same problem. So, you know, this is going back to the the another flag here when you were talking about Bitcoin then the algorithm. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. If you have an algorithm that magically makes you money, you don't share it with anybody. You don't need to. And anybody who's like, "Oh, but financing, fine." Then you go to one person that has like 100 million dollars and show them that it works and you don't make it public and you yeah. both crush it for life. This is not happening, people. This is like this is exactly what I was saying earlier by a unique opportunity that couldn't possibly expand in the note. If you could actually yep. make hundreds of millions of dollars with an algorithm because it could trade so efficiently, it would last like five or seven spots in the note before it gets to a system that's going to monopolize it. And that opportunity is gone. Yeah. Even, I remember. I, I don't remember the number, but in the MLM system where you have to get three friends to do it, I think it's like seven layers and it's the entire population or something like that. I, I don't, maybe it's eight. I don't remember, but the, uh, there's some factorial there where you ha- the entire population of Earth is like not that many down in the pipeline. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the fourth person can, n- no way they can get seven who can get seven. No way. Yep. So, um, so some of the traits that the ones that are built ground up are going to share are they're always going to be like too good to be true. You're going to get tons of hard sells, grandiose abstract ideas. Abstract is important. A lot of times you, it's funny, you don't even know what you're being sold for a little bit of the period of time. You're just being hyped up. And usually there's an incentive to continue to bring people into the ecosystem. I'm actually going to mention that this, there's this moment in my life where it kind of made me skeptical. I got scammed when I was 18 years old Mm. and the way it worked is my buddy calls me up and he's like, Hey, I'm in the parking lot of this gas station 
And these guys are selling some car audio equipment. I know you like car audio and I know you were looking for stuff to put in your car. At the time, I'd been watching a bunch of Fast and Furious and I thought, you know, that was a cool thing to do. So he's like, do you want to come here and take a look? They said it was like they're supposed to deliver it to Best Buy, but it wasn't on the sheet. So if they bring it back, then their boss just going to take it. So I think they're trying to sell it under the table. I'm like, all right. So already, you know, I, I get I should have had alarm bells going off my head that these random shady guys at a gas station are trying to sell some car audio equipment. I get there. They've got this magazine that shows that it's a thousand dollars for this pair of subwoofers. You know, they're talking to me and they're like, yeah, we don't really want to take this back. We just like to make a couple bucks. So I'm buying something stolen. Basically, it's another another red flag. Right. And I end up buying it for five hundred bucks, I think, for these subwoofers. And you know, they follow me to the ATM where I get the money out. I give it to them. They give it to me. They pull off. And one of the last things the guy says to me was, hey, if you ever see me out, maybe you can buy me a beer. Like, man, I just did you this huge favor. And it didn't really fit. You know, that thing was a scam from the ground up. They made a fake magazine. They made, you know, a fake delivery truck. They weren't really delivering anything. I I don't remember the name of this company, but if I said it, you could Google it and see all the complaints. I go online. I I think I'm a genius, right? I think I have this once in a lifetime opportunity to make $500 real quick on eBay, like, or just keep them myself. I'm like, well, like I either got them half off or I can flip on eBay. And at the time that was basically all the money I had. I mean, at 18 years old, this is, this is pre like poker taking off. So this was like everything to me. And I, I go on and I find out, yeah, these things are worthless. They're worth like 60 bucks maximum. They're complete crap. I even hooked them up in the car. They didn't sound good. And I got scammed. Super brutal, man. Yeah. So that, but I, it was such a defining moment in my life. I'm like, I'm never letting that happen to me again. Probably too much. Like it, it, it spilled over into all the areas of my life. But here's another thing that's worth adding. And it's just a flag. But if somebody is offering you to benefit by screwing somebody else over and <laughs> yeah, you don't know one. that person that well, you're probably getting screwed over. Yep. <laughs> Uh, that is exactly another re- we're going to keep coming up with these over the course of the episode and that is a very clear another red flag yes i don't even know where we were i kind of got on this tangent oh i wanted to talk about bitconnect specifically and talk about the traits that i just listed out for something that's a scam from the ground up bitconnect specifically too good to be true they were proposing one percent on your money per day that was an obnoxious rate of return you can't get that anywhere in history it is insane to expect 1% return on your money per day for doing nothing. More importantly, why isn't all the tens of billions or hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars that is being managed by mutual fund managers that are competing in a, in a very competitive market? You're telling me that none of them that are trying to push up their portfolio numbers said, hey, you know what? Let's just put like a small percentage here in this thing that's guaranteed to return 365% this year while everything <laughs> yeah. else is doing 8%. Compounding. Yeah. Like, why did nobody do that? compounding daily kareem yeah that uh yep you can start to think about that and and the answer that you'll come up with is i'm smarter or they're stupid or they've got the the wool pulled over their eyes or they're not woke or there's a conspiracy they're trying to keep us down all these different rationalizations and you'll see them in things that aren't scams too but it's real easy to rationalize something especially if you've already made that decision You're going to look back and say, "Okay, I'm going to come up with the reasons this decision was right 
rather than come up with reasons that the decision was wrong. Even in the case of those speakers that I bought, I mean, it took me a long time to come to the realization. I listed them on eBay for a thousand dollars. I like did all this stupid shit. Also, another too good to be true part was the bonuses for getting people to sign up. And and this is going to be a dual red flag. But on top of the one percent, if you could get people to sign up, you were getting massive percentages of what they were depositing. So they were paying out a percentage and paying a percentage to them. It didn't take long to figure out how quickly that would topple. So the the hard sell thing, the hard sell in the grandiose abstract ideas, right? There were these YouTube hype men that were just jamming this down your throat. Bicknick, Bicknick, Bicknick. And who were they? They were 16-year-old fucking whatever that guy's name was, Crypto Nick. They're the fucking Trayvon James idiot that is still peddling scams. Like, I don't, maybe he, his YouTube is really actually good content because you can just assume anything that he talks good about is a scam. And there's a lot of mystery behind all this stuff. Like n- nobody told you how you were making all this money with Bitconnect. They told you there was a super secret algorithm and that it had this whole ecosystem, but there was no real clear, you know, way it was happening. You couldn't find it on a blockchain, which is immutable. You know, none of that was happening. And everyone thought you could become the next crypto millionaire. And finally, we had this guy. That's a scam! (laughs) The hype that he was displaying is the exact same thing you find at, like, the self-help conferences, the the multi-level marketing conferences. I remember watching that whole video, and they turned the camera on the crowd, and there is nobody there. So they were showing the... They were showing Carlos on stage the whole time like it was a big thing. It was an awesome conference. And there was a total of like five BitConnect employees chilling and watching. So. So, Brent, anyway, I'm no, listen, I, I you you triggered another flag that I want to comment on. And it's whenever the allure that is emphasized is the material wealth or the lifestyle that you can enjoy, right? And you made a very good point. It's like, oh, it's a mystery here of how the wealth is being created. And that's a very good question. It's like, how is the value being added? Because there's a lot of ways to genuinely become rich. You could genuinely become an artist and become rich, a great poker player and become rich, a great podcaster and become rich, a great boxer and become rich, right? But there's always value added and usually involves a lot of work. And a lot of these things emphasize how little work you have to do. Exactly. So it's like turning more money into more money magically. That's all it is, right? With just eight hours a week, you can make a hundred thousand a year from home just by talking to your friends and family. (laughs) That's all you have to do. And you know what? It it turns out that that's actually, they scam them too. Those work from home are huge scams where they're just trying to get those people and start bleeding them for money and it's brutal. But anyway, what about the people that are stumbling their way into scams, Brent? Yeah. Okay. So- that was just a real that was a real specific example and and one way where you can see when the scams are built from the ground up. It's super clear. The typos, the the whole story, the way things are are made, you can see when they're built from the ground up, but sometimes it's not so simple. Sometimes a scam isn't exactly on purpose. You can see the story in a vacuum of a person who starts a company and they start a company and they want to provide all this value for all these people. And they're going to need some either investment money or they're going to need people to to pay them to provide said value. And somewhere along the way, they need some money in their personal life. Somebody had a heart attack. Somebody died. Something happened. They don't have health insurance. They're like, well, I've got this business with all this money here. We're making tons of money and I can just take a loan real quick from this. And then I'll have it back in there just from the money that I'm making from this so far. 
or not, maybe not even that. Maybe I'm going to make money in the future. I'm not making money yet, but I'm going to take a little bit of money out here and then I'll just put it back later. But if that particular business, that particular scam has a downturn or doesn't have any or doesn't reach your expectations of I'm going to make this money. Now, all of a sudden you're in a spot where you can't pay it back and you're going to need more because you already stretched so thin that you had to take money out of this business. So that's one way. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this stuff goes down. Maybe your regulation changes and all of a sudden you've got some issues real quick. I want to add too, just to add the layers of intent. Also, it could be little cheating that accidentally turns into really big cheating. Because one of the things that research has shown is that we really think most of the cheating that's being done in society is done by a small group of people doing a lot of cheating. When what's actually happening is it's a lot of people that do a little bit of cheating. But when the person that's doing quote unquote a little bit of cheating is somebody who has no restraints, no regulation or full power, uh, you know, over the piggy bank or the funds or the resources or whatever with no oversight, then that can get out of hand and out of hand. And then, like you said, any slight downturn just makes it completely inescapable. Now it's a hole that they can't stop digging. So sometimes I do believe, I do believe people set out a lot of these times thinking I am going to create this awesome thing. And just somewhere along the way, they start making bad decisions and compound them. And they just keep going and they don't see the moral disconnect here. They don't say, I need to stop. I need to tell everybody I fucked up or I need to go bankrupt. I need to stop this before it becomes an intentional scam. So Quadriga CX may end up being one of those, Kareem. We talked about that because the guy very likely faked his death. But there's reports coming out that the reason he's even in this position is they weren't even holding any fiat. They were holding everything in crypto. So the people who had fiat on the exchanges, it was just Bitcoin. And because this guy believed in crypto and he didn't care about the risk that he was taking. Um, That's completely circumstantial information. Insiders have mentioned it. It's been posted on Reddit. We have nothing to corroborate that. So I don't know if that's the case. We we went over Quadriga on the last flagship. If you want to hear start finish. But this is a perfect example. True believer, not true believer. Ultimately, what this means is he was trying to free roll the depositors bonus and he's committing fraud because what he's yes, essentially exactly. doing is people are putting in 10 million in cash and he's thinking to himself, if that were true and he's thinking to himself, Oh, well, Bitcoin's going to be worth 20 million. I'll just keep it in Bitcoin. Yeah, these people are stupid. So I'm going to, yeah, it's not, it's not like better. he was going to in three years be like, Hey, I know you're withdrawing 10 K, but I actually had it all in Bitcoin. So I'm going to give you 18,800. No, you were getting 10 K in fiat and he was going to pocket right. the change. So again, it was cheating planned all along, misassessing risk and using other people's funds to bankroll his future, uh, you know, downfall. And that's Again, how you end if up. That's in what India. he was doing. But this is in a, this is in a vacuum of completely unproven Unders- information. Usually, I give people the benefit of the doubt. But if you're hiding in India with a fake death certificate, yes. then you put yourself in a situation to be yeah, judged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could. I mean, he could legitimately just have the 190 million. The actual thought behind that particular thing is he doesn't even have that. Like he he faked his death because it was last resort. Not like he's off with a yacht somewhere. Like he has zero. And faked his death as a last resort to get out of it. Well, that's inconsistent with the information about the wife being able to transfer three different properties. Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe not zero, but but less. Yeah, but then we see like the hot wallets moving around and stuff like that. So yeah. Uh, no. Also, interestingly, 
almost nothing on Canadian news about Quadriga CX is what I've been told uh, from some of the Canadians in our Discord server. They're like, yeah, it's like weirdly not being talked about in any of our news stations and papers. Whereas in the US, I've had friends who just happen to know that I'm correlated with cryptocurrency, right? Message me and be like, oh man, this guy lost his password and stole hundred and lost the hundred ninety yeah. million dollars, huh? And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I tell him like, no, this dude faked his death. Yeah. And all this stuff. And I, I they're had, like, oh my God. I had my dad text me about it. I had multiple uh people that usually don't text me like are like, oh did you see this? And um yeah, it's pretty crazy. But the reason why you're not hearing about it in Canada and you do hear about it here is actually pretty simple. The politics in Canada are so crazy that they don't have time for these kind of news. But the stable politics of the United States makes us notice things like this but continue uh some so some other examples of scams that may have been accidental mount gox may have been accidental believe it or not you know we don't know we will never know the full story there of who like might have been doing hookers and blow and all that stuff but the end result is they didn't have the money and they were the only exchange at the time like they had the monopoly they were crushing there was no real reason for them to go down but at the same time there's a lot of shady stuff that that were going on there so people saw the red flags and people were like hey something's something's not right here with mount gox roger ver told him it was all okay and they backed off and and then eventually mount gox put out a thing that's like hey uh, we're gonna get a lot of heat because of these things so here's what you tell people when they give you heat and that you know they started to intentionally kind of dance around the scam and then finally one that is really popular right now is the fire festival when that guy set out now, given he's he's bit, he was a shady character all along. But when he decided he was going to make the fire festival, I promise you, in his mind, he thought he was making the greatest music festival of all time. He didn't build that to be a scam ground up. But everything he did along the way was a horrible decision that ba- that made it a scam. OK, uh, see, this is where I have a hard time. We will never be in another person's head. Right. I, I accept that. And there's no question that this kid was uh, is delusional to some extent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because which is required. It was suicidal at some points. No, yeah, I know, but it was. There were points where like it was unsavable, and he was just like, <laughs> you know that, yeah, yeah. you know that GIF where like the pirates going walking down the stairs, and the and the ship is being destroyed, and he's just looking straight oh. ahead. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, Jack Sparrow. That's uh, from the first Pirate. Of the no, Caribbean. it's not yeah. Jack Sparrow, but yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, when he's just no, walking, it's not the Jack Sparrow. He, like, there's another steps one. Steps onto the dock. No, it's like he's walking down and the shoe's getting blown up. It's not important. It's not Jack Sparrow. Oh, Trust okay. me, I would know if All it's right. Jack Sparrow because I love Jack Sparrow. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my point is: here's the only thing about that guy. We know that he was scamming with the company, and what's one of our biggest red flags? Whether they have a history of scamming. So he already was scamming with the other company. He was defrauding customers, right? right. right? And he's lying to all of the people that he's working at the festival with. So, yeah, maybe a part of him dreamed that somehow he could get super lucky. Uh, He thought he was going to get out of the hole that he had with the other company by building this amazing thing over here. You know, like maybe who knows? I I think the jury's out. I definitely wrote juries out next to it. I think that that is how that could have been an accident. Fair, fair, unnecessarily fair characterization. I think that it's pretty clear that this guy's a scammer with a history of scamming who was planning on keeping scamming. Was he also trying to make a festival happen and hang out with hot chicks and be Mr. Cool Guy? I'm sure. For for sure. Look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk was basically like 24 hours from Tesla going under because he made some dumb decisions and 
stretched himself too thin because he has this uh, completely unreasonable belief that he can do anything, right? And a lot of entrepreneurs have that. A lot of the people who go out there and create these companies and stuff like that, they, they are delusional. So this guy is even another scale. But I'm wondering if Elon didn't secure a little bit, didn't secure that funding for Tesla right before they went broke. If we wouldn't be talking about him as one of the greatest scams, like the guy who said he was going to make the electric car and then just took everybody's money. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on the details, but I agree with yeah. you that history can be very results oriented. But I don't think they should be handled any differently. Whether or not the person is sympathetic in how they carried out their scam, they should both be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Well, intent, as it's the main thing that matters there, in my opinion, intent and obviously how much harm was done. Both of those. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I want to say I think a lot of Ponzi schemes start out this way. You know, I don't know if the most famous Ponzi schemes like the Madoffs start out this way, but there are there are Ponzi schemes. If you read, there's a book called Fooling Some of the People All the Time. It's about allied capital. And the guy who wrote it is David Einhorn, who is one of the players that plays in the million dollar buy in poker tournament. He's like one of the huge fish that go and play that nice. because he's got that kind of money and he, he doesn't mind being a philanthropist. Um, and he owned Greenlight Capital at the time. And it's kind of like a detective story around finance where he basically discovers that this company is running a Ponzi scheme, but they were bought out right at the end of it and saved. And and it ended up being turned into a different company and everybody got five dollars per share at the end of, at the buyout. So it didn't go completely under. Right. But it, it, not all of them go all the way, even though they are very clearly going in that direction, making bad choices. So, well, even the Madoff scam, not all the money was lost. Right. Some of the funds were recovered. Well, yeah, because he had so many people coming in on the bottom level. Right. So the anatomy of a Ponzi scheme is that there is some investment. Almost always Ponzi schemes are investments or something like that, where you are expected to get a return on your money. And very often it's a monthly return or a yearly return that'll eventually get your principal back in a pretty quick manner. So what happens is these people with the Ponzi schemes either things don't work out the way they thought, or they tried to do it from the get go. They go to other people and say, Hey, I can get you in on this. And then as they get more people in, they pay out the first groups of people with the second group of people's money, which as we discovered in pyramid schemes does not hold up. So they all have the same, they all have the same MO though, whether it's intentional or not intentional, they come crumbling down eventually. So I I don't know how much we want to talk about the one that we were kind of close to where the, do, do we want to talk about the PPC? I think we've talked about it a little bit on the flagships, but it's more or less the same anatomy. I mean, we we saw a dynamic of what we think is similar a group of guys that's that started out maybe with the vision of a poker tournament, but they were from the very beginning. It seems like mismanaging player funds, and it eventually blew up, and the victims ended up being the winners of the last tournament that they didn't get paid out. Right, the final tournament that they weren't, they finally weren't able to pay out the money. the The quick version is there was. This company, they would funnel into this one poker tournament all year. And the the stories are all over the place about how they were handling and what they were doing. But the end result is the year before this this thing came crashing down, the guy who won over $100,000 didn't get paid for a long time. And he didn't tell anybody. Hmm. So nobody knew that there was a huge red flag going on going into this last tournament. They begged them not to. And they said they were going to have the rest of the money coming. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's how it's going to, that's how it has to happen with these things. Because once you realize you're in this scam, all you want to do is get your money back. 
And the only chance you have is getting it before the rug is pulled out from under them, right? So even if you're in these Ponzi schemes and realize they're a Ponzi scheme, maybe you stop telling your friends and family about it, but you're not going to go to the news. You want you're hoping that they give you enough of your money back before it goes it goes completely under. So so that's what that guy did, and he waited and he got his money. His mistake was that he didn't whistleblow before something bad happened, and then. They ended up getting somewhere around $200,000 from more poker players uh, that went down for that last tournament before the rug got pulled out from under them. And there's stories of people coming up to them saying that they were owed travel funds and them peeling off $100 bills and being like, oh, yeah, sure. Here you go. Like handing it to them. (laughs) Very, very strange. And again, another one that I think was probably accidental. I these two guys, I liked them when I met them. One of them was kind of kind of slimy, but they were they were nice guys. And then whatever it ended up being, a, it ended up being a shit show. So scams are complicated, Kareem. It is true, and scammers be scamming. I want to mention one thing, one more thing before we before we move on past this section. Exit scams and Ponzi schemes are slightly different. We see exit scams now in crypto where they ICO will take the money and then they won't produce the product. Or you see Kickstarters that raise a bunch of money and never send the product or or they launch it on their website first and take more money before they send it to the people that backed them. Or you see exchanges that end up going under because they stole the money rather than screwed up and had the rug pulled out from under them. Ponzi schemes almost always end in an exit scam, but an exit scam doesn't you don't need to have a Ponzi scheme to be an exit scam. They are different. So it's like those SAT questions (laughs) where. (laughs) <laughs> all Ponzi schemes have exit scams, but all not all exit scams have Ponzi schemes. <laughs> so be very careful. Like the ICOs, there is absolutely no incentive for an ICO to create the project that you're investing in. That's the sad thing. We've said it a million times. Their incentive is to just take the money and stop. Unless they really think cryptocurrency is going to go to the moon. They were handed a bunch of money for a white paper and a promise. If they don't fulfill that promise, there is absolutely no regulation to stop them. And so Brent, which I think is we've mentioned- why it's nice that STOs have risen. But yeah. I think we mentioned before too on the show that even even with the best intentions, start managing a giant pile of money for a multi-year project is not that easy to do when it's all really the money's hard. up front. It is really hard, and we we talked about it like in the gaming space when we talked about Decentraland. That's a project that's still completely at a halt. They raised a bunch of money. Everything seems like it's on the up and up. They've got developers working, but then you look into how much it actually costs to develop a video game, and you realize they don't have even a fraction of what they need. Damn. It, it, to develop a good video game you know they, they have enough to develop like a 16 bit video game and do like a side scrolling mario virtual world but they don't you know have enough money to to really create a big thing so they've ha- they're having all kinds of different weird investment rounds with vcs and stuff like that so uh it's just it, and some of these companies will do it right some of these companies will manage their money right some of these companies will have the morals behind them or some of these companies will be decentralized right away but you have to be very 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 careful which ones you pick and choose and realize the incentive is extremely strong in the other direction so hmm. at some point if they don't think they can get that coin above what they got bought in for basically they just gotta fold and get out of there so th- that's kind of the the end of the discussion of scams in a vacuum crypto scams there's so many that we could talk about and we didn't do a great job picking out which ones we were kind of rambling there but you know who did do a great job of picking out specific scams that they wanted to talk about (laughs) it's kareem he's got a bunch here i'm I'm told i'm not allowed to look forward to the end so i i can't you're the host now you're the host now you ask questions i'm your history uh 
<laughs> communicator here, of course. And I will tell you about history's greatest scams, Brent. Greatest <laughs> scams and scammers. And what I will do is I'll say whether I thought it was accidental or intentional. Okay. All right. So I want to start with the first one over here. This is, by the way, I'm not saying these are the greatest. This is just some interesting scams that I found scouring the interwebs for stories. And we are ranging history throughout time. All right. Here we go. A simple one. This one's kind of recent. Thy will they stole, Brent. Uh, it turns out that in 2002, from 1997 to 2002... <laughs> I, I just... Sorry, I just looked at the outline. It says 997 to 2002. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a, a millennium-long scam. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm so excited. Nope, yeah, nope, no, just, just a typo. typo. Just a typo. Out, co- right. out comes Razor, Brent. Disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 1997... Some dude went up to a church, basically a community, and told them that he's the son of a billionaire uh, or whatever. And like this estate, he like attended the church and I guess he kept the scam going for like two years. And eventually his fake dad that he had made up died. And he said that he's now the heir of the of the fortune and that his dad's on the will, all these luxury cars, he's giving them uh, away to believers. But he wants people <laughs> to, uh, they had to pay, you know, the, the conveyance fee, which was like $1,100. So he got 4,000 people for a few million dollars there. Wow. Uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Before you even finish, I don't know how much you have left to say about this, but I will already say that this one is intentional from the beginning. That's it. That's a scam. That was a scam. I don't have much more to say about this because we have other scams to talk about. So let's talk about <laughs> Tiffany's. Tiffany's. Now, here's Ooh. the thing. Since diamonds are a scam, it's nice to hear that diamond owners also get scammed from time to time. It's yeah. only fair. Why are diamonds a scam, Kareem? Well, diamonds are a scam because... Basically, their value was just completely made up by a diamond industry. Their supply is artificially kept low. There's just a bunch of them. It's not even like because uh, they brainwashed men into thinking they have to spend months of their salary to put a rock on a woman's finger. May I can, anything else I missed there? Or? No, no. These are all very valid points. And, of course, if we ever get access to a an asteroid... <laughs> then that's it like the whole world's diamond supply is in like one eighth of that asteroid or something yeah yeah definitely so tiffany's their people got scammed these two miners they set up this whole thing they told tiffany they had all these uh well not tiffany herself i'm i'm assuming her representatives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh two- i don't even know who the actual tiffany is is there is there a proverbial or a Ooh, real tiffany you know what i actually it's a good question i actually haven't brushed up on my diamond jewelry historiography <laughs> so i'll work on that for next episode however these two miners in order to convince the people from tiffany's that these diamond fields were real they took them on an entire four-day expedition to where these mine was these mines were and they had laid out this area covered it with the fake diamonds that they were making <laughs> so and they got them for six hundred thousand dollars in 1871 and according to inflation Damn. calculators, that is about $8 million in today's money. Wow. That's a scam. Eight, That's amazing. $8 million. <laughs> We're just going to put the costume jewelry all on the floor. Trust me, it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with this one was also intentional. Uh, my evidence is that they scattered costume jewelry <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> All right, so you were talking about Ponzi schemes. This one is titled The First 
Ponzi, Charles Ponzi. This is where uh, of we, course it's a Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> this is where we get the name. So Charles Ponzi in 1920 had the brilliant idea of selling out investments, and they happen to be postal coupons, which apparently are an investment that either happened in the past or old people still do. Um, and okay. he, he just did the typical like selling a high investment and paying off the initial investors with the money that he was getting, promising ridiculous returns. More people found out about it. He was able to collect more and more and more money. And it is approximated that approximately $10 million was lost, which is about $225 million is in today's Jeez. money. So... How did Mr. Ponzi's story end? I feel I feel like I wanted to add this on here for a couple of these people. I went to go look at their fate. Did it pay off or did it not pay off? And uh, he actually was in prison for years, had multiple escape attempts, uh, even grew a mustache, shaved his head, tried to go to Europe, but he was caught in New Orleans, sent right back to jail. By the time he got out, there was an angry mob waiting for him. Uh, he got deported. He got deported to Italy, <laughs> where he died in poverty and slowly became blind and uh, died in a charity hospital in Brazil eventually or something. No, no, no. Also in there. Yeah, it was no muy bueno. No muy bueno. Scamming did not pay off for Mr. Ponzi. And while he was in Italy, he had children and one of his children grew up to be that idiot from the uh, Rybox exchange, the big rail. That's oh, pretty sure. That's how it happened? Uh, nope. I'm going to go with an intentional scam here, Kareem. And my evidence is going to be that... There's an entire scam named after him. <laughs> that's, that's my evidence I, for that I'm one. liking this analysis. I'm liking this analysis. All right. <laughs> so you already touched in on this guy a little bit. I had to mention him, Bernie Madoff. And Brent, just by the numbers, if we don't count like, well, you know, well, like big picture stuff, but by the numbers, this was the largest fraud ever committed yeah. in history, approximated at 65 billion dollars from 9,000 investors. It's actually a disputed number I found wow. out um, because basically some of the whistleblowers inside the industry, inside of Bernie Madoff's thing are saying like, no, $35 million of that never existed. Those were all fake inflated numbers that he was using to lie about his returns to get more investors. Oh. So really, some people are arguing that it was more along like $18 billion that was lost. But for comparison's sake, that's still like 50 times more than Charles Ponzi. Right. Yeah. That's still an absolute massive amount of yeah. money. And I, I know they got some back, but it was like a few hundred million or something like that. And I thought that this was a really interesting quote, specifically because today we talked about how red flags are probabilistic. One of the flags or lack of flags is uh, reputation. And listen to this quote. I thought it was really powerful. Quote, perhaps what makes the Madoff scam is the reputation of the main crook. Most pyramid schemes are run by those with no real financial education, background, or experience. Madoff was the chairman of the NASDAQ from 1990 to 1993. No pyramid ever has ever had such stellar credentials. Yeah, wow, that's nuts. I, so I haven't done enough research into the Madoff situation to know whether there's a chance that he didn't set out to do this. Uh, it feels like there is, especially with somebody with this much clout. He might have just thought that he could have done something that produced this kind of return and fell into that snowball trap, but then realized he's really good at it and kept going. Yeah, man. But I mean, listen, yeah. if your job is managing people's money and you're lying about your returns, you're lying about the corpus. It's not, it's not a white lie on the edges. So I'm going to go with, yeah. no, you're committing fraud. 
<laughs> you don't get to say, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, no. but you, you just did you're leader fraud. fraud. I thought it was going to work out. <laughs> like, no. yeah, you're committing you're fraud. Look, I'm just wondering how they start. I, I'm not wondering what the end result. The end result is everybody should be completely fucking jailed and punished for all this. Uh, but the, the in between, I wanted, I, I kind of want to know, like, how did this happen? How did this start? Is there a chance that this person just did some stupid shit? Or did he say, you know what? I'm going to make billions of dollars. By getting billions of dollars from other people and paying it to these or, people. Or did he say, oh, I'm just going to steal this little bit. And then when he saw how easy it was, he was all like, oh, yeah, that could be true let me too. steal yeah. a little more. <laughs> um, yep. All right. I got another big scam here that I'm actually not going to talk about that much because I'm just going to say Enron, as everybody knows, Enron. If you're interested in that story, go watch the documentary, The Smartest Guys in the Room. It's pretty good. Enron was intentional. They were intentionally skirting around laws. They were intentionally hiding all of their finances. They were intentionally pumping their stock price. Lying, they were pressure. Yeah, there was no oops. Look what we ended up with. This was this was started from the get go. Almost a conspiracy. There were enough people involved in this that somebody should have blown the whistle, but they didn't. So it took a long time for the Enron scam to come to the surface. <laughs> all right. And uh so we're right. we're moving on to some of my favorite. My last of these are some of my favorite ones, a little more historical and extreme. Okay. All right. The first billion dollar scam, Brent, and we are going all the way back to the Roman Empire, where it turns out that the Praetorian Guard, Damn. the the guys that were basically the police inside of Rome, the only armed forces in Rome, decided to kill the emperor whose name was Pertinax, and then they were like, hey, you know what? Let's just bid out the empire. So they they held the bid, and they're just like, who's going to pay us the most money? And one of the guys was like, I'll give each one of you 250 gold pieces. His name was Julianus. And then the Praetorian <laughs> Guard said, all right, sold. You get the empire. Guess what? The rest of the empire, <laughs> the rest of the empire wasn't having it. So like civil war broke out, and the closest general came in. He got killed, and uh, yeah, he spent a billion dollars to get assassinated in a few weeks. So, <laughs> not a good... He he got scanned by the Praetorian Guard. Sometimes people sell you something that's not theirs to sell. That's the lesson yeah, there. Yeah, no. Uh, so for instance, there is... Uh, you can buy a piece of the moon land. I, know <laughs> right. you can, I think you could still buy right. those. Bro, how mad are the <laughs> aliens going to be when they're like, wait a minute, you weren't even sure we existed, but you were already selling our land? Like, <laughs> kind of system. And we're just like, uh, yeah, no, it's fine. Here's these smallpox spacesuits. <laughs> All right. And we're going to get to the last guy. And listen, I want to make something very clear. I am in no way idolizing scammers. But this <laughs> motherfucker was impressive. I got I to gotta tell you, he did a couple of things that I was like, holy shit. Again, screw people like this. But we're going to wrap it but. up with the most <laughs> hey, listen. impressive scammer I have encountered, Brent. I understand where your mind's at. I have a love-hate relationship with Carlos Matos. I mean, I love nah, this guy, the comedy he's provided. Nah, listen, this guy makes Carlos Matos look like a drooling baby, okay? Don't even... Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a scam! <laughs> All right, so anyway, I think you're going to like... You're going to respect what this guy managed to do. I wish he had better spent his creativity. All right, here we go. So the guy's name is Count Victor Lustig. All right, this, he started his career, Brent. Make sure you're not running ahead. I'm not. I, I have the old, I have it stuck on Count Victor <laughs> nice. Lustig. That's all I can say. Nice, see. nice, nice. This guy starts off his career creating a fake printing machine, money printing machine that would create counterfeit bills. And then he would go and find like someone who's kind of like rich and show him the machine work it. 
sell it for a ton of money, and the machine would print fake bills for like 12 hours and then stop working. But by that time, he's already disappeared. So that's how he started getting his feet wet. (laughs) Just selling fake counterfeiting machines that would like time out in a little bit. You know what? I can respect that a little bit because he's he's scamming the scammers. He's Robin Hooding right here. He's like, nah. if you think you're going to get this fucking fake money, don't you worry. You're not. All right. So this guy's creativity will continue to impress you then next now that he already has his feet wet and he's figured out a little bit like how the scamming uh, world actually works in 1925 he reads in the newspaper that the eiffel tower is having some renovations and repairs and maintenance and he has an idea oh it's gonna be construction workers and shit on there so he poses as a government official and gets six scrap metal dealers and convinces them that they're bringing down the tower and he bids for the tower. but He's basically selling the Eiffel Tower to these people. And they start bidding for it. <laughs> One of them in particular, a guy named Andre Poisson, wanted the contract so bad that he secretly bribed the guy that he thought was a government official. So he bribes him. <laughs> the guy accepts the bribe, Victor does, and then takes the check for the money for the Eiffel Tower and splits town to a different country. And he assumed, he guessed, that the guy would be so embarrassed that he wouldn't go to the authorities. And he was right. The guy never went to the authorities because he was embarrassed to say that he got scammed into buying the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy, uh, he's sitting there for like a month in Austria or something. And, you know, he's getting bored. So he decides to go back to Paris to pull off the same scam, the same scam on a different scrap artist. Oh, he's gonna run it back. He's like, let me try to run this back. These guys are morons. He finds another group, runs the same scam, pulls it off again. Gamble doesn't pay off as much though. This time he still gets the money, but the guy does go to the authorities. Oh. The guy manages to escape France. Goes to where all the criminals went to start a new life. America. So No, listen, everybody was coming here to start a new life, not just criminals. But then, when this guy's in America, guess what he decides? For no reason. He's like, you know who I really want to scam just a little bit? Al Capone. Nothing big, nothing major. (laughs) I I just want to do a little Al Capone scam. Just a little scam. So... (laughs) <laughs> he knows this guy that if he if he tries to scam Al Capone and fucks it up, he's gonna get like tortured or something. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't mess with the mafia. So he needed to This is like a drug for him. He's just like, all right, I already sold the Eiffel Tower. What's next? <laughs> Dude, so he listen to this scam. Twice. You're gonna love this. So he goes to Al Capone and has this like entire business idea that he's gonna do or whatever. And it's and he's like, it's gonna to take 50k. So Al Capone gives him 50K. This guy grabs the 50,000 and goes home and puts it in a safe box and locks it and never touches it and waits two months. Two months later, he goes to Al Capone, tells him the whole thing. The deal fell through. He wasn't able to pull it off. But because it fell through before he actually had to put the money, he saved the money. So he returns the 50K to Al Capone, who's now impressed by the fact that he was finally dealing with an honest wow. person. Of course, he explains to him how all these difficulties have put financial pressures on him. He barely has any money. Al Capone floats him 5K, and that was the scam. He wanted to get 5K from Al Capone. Wait, what? He wanted to get the he 5K. Had 50. Yeah, but 50 that Al Capone would have killed him for. Instead, he got 5K that Al Capone was cool with him getting because he thought he gave it to him. Bro, this guy wow. was next level. I'm telling you. 
<laughs> so finally, classic mistake. I mean, this might as well be a movie. How does he finally? How have they, how have they not made a movie about this guy, by uh, the way? Maybe they have. So how did this guy finally get caught? Well, he gets betrayed by a spurned lover. His mistress gets annoyed, places an anonymous call. He was probably banging some other chick or sold the Eiffel Tower to somebody else, and she didn't like it. <laughs> she puts an anonymous call for the cops. He gets arrested. And what is his fate ultimately? This guy that did all this stuff. He goes to Alcatraz, where he spends his last years terribly and catches pneumonia and dies apparently brent this guy is so famous in the scamming world he's such a deity that there are literally a set of commandments that are attributed to him and they're called the 10 commandments of conman apparently he wrote this so you want to hear what the 10 commandments of conman are as we close this show Man, I feel like I should know the. I, I watched the entire series Leverage, which was just basically the same movie over and over again every episode. But it was interesting and it was fun, and they always had like specific names for things. I wonder if like I'm going to hear some things I'm familiar with. But yeah, anyway, good. <laughs> interesting. All right. So according to this guy, commandment number one for Conman: number one, be patient. Be a patient listener. This is what gets you prey. Not talking fast. Ooh, yeah. Number two, never look bored. <laughs> Number three, Fuck. wait for the other person to reveal any political opinions, then agree with them. Oh, shit. <laughs> Kareem, we're never going to be able to scam anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely incapable. <laughs> Number four. Let oh, the yeah, I love Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait till you hear number four. Let the other person reveal religious views, then have the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> number five. Hint at sex talk, but don't follow it up unless the other person shows strong interest. You know what I mean? Wait, the fuck? That's, wait. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, wait, that's a legitimate, like, life thing, right? Okay. Like, you don't want to. Hey, Kahneman are people too, Brent. Of course, it's a legitimate right, life thing. Saying. He's giving them life advice. These are their commandments. Like, get consent. That Fucking do that. That's what you should do. Yes. <laughs> All right. Never discuss illness unless some special concern is shown. Never pry into a person's personal okay. circumstances. And then in parentheses, he writes, they'll tell you all eventually. <laughs> okay. All right. Number eight, never boast. Just let your importance be quietly obvious. Oh, shit. <laughs> number nine, never be untidy. And number 10. Oh, fuck. I'm such a bad guy. Never man. get drunk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I've, I've ruined like seven out of ten of those. Well, in that case, uh, Brent, I am very proud to inform you that you are not a conman, my friend. I was trying to come up with a way to like get $5 from El Chapo. but <laughs> I had... Listen, I got to tell you, I you know I do not respect conman, but Jesus, this guy was creative and next level. <laughs> and ballsy. Who escapes... Yeah pursuit from the cops and it's just like let me just mess around with Al Capone <laughs> see how much money I can get from him <laughs> that's insane he played both sides this guy this was his drug man he he lived his life the way he wanted to live it you know guess so he wanted to scam and that was his you know that's what he did so Whew, man all right anything you want to add here Brent I know we kind of went no, on listen. and on but had a little conversation. This whole episode was a tangent, but I thought it was important to really just talk about scams so that those in the crypto space were more equipped to handle what are probably going to be many a scam over the next 15 to 20 years. 
There's going to be a scam that comes up that dwarfs Mt. Gox. There's going to be a scam that comes up that dwarfs Quadriga. Dwarfs them. And you just got to hope that you're not one of the people that fell for them. And we all got to hope that the whole space isn't a scam and we're all falling for it anyway. take those critical thinking skills and apply them to broader concepts because it's not just scams. It's also different industries that want to manipulate you, that want you to make decisions based on emotions, fear, stress, inadequacy, desire to fit in, right? It's they're lying to you about the effects of their products. They hype things up. All of these things, this process of taking in information, looking for red flags, thinking critically and thinking probabilistically about the world is something that you can apply literally to everything you do. And it won't just be in crypto. People will take advantage of you in every industry, unfortunately. So sharpen those critical thinking skills. Always be skeptical. Always be skeptical because scammers be scamming. All right. I think we've wrapped it up, except for the thing that we have to say at the end of every episode to make sure we don't scam oh, people. Ye- no, but <laughs> wait, wait. I want to just have a little I want to have a little shout out to the Patreon members. You guys are killing it. It's more and more coming in. We, we, we asked if you guys could help with a dollar an episode. You responded with significantly more than that. It's been amazing. Great. We have a couple more little perks coming out soon for that. So Stay tuned and join our Discord if you want some real up-to-the-minute updates. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Discord in the last day, Kareem, but there may or may not be a basic bitch coin that has been created on oh the Ethereum blockchain. <laughs> oh, this is why you can't leave the children unattended. Anyway, listen, yep. I have I do not want to be accused of being a dictator. I've stepped aside. The transition of power has been peaceful. You like look forward to the new vote for <laughs> The possibility of being the basic bitches. We'll probably announce that on the flagship on Friday. All right. And I guess at this time, I do have to remind people. Hold on one second there, Kareem. I do need to stop you because I need to talk about the Token Tanks podcast real quick. Uh, They are another podcast that goes pretty deep dive on some of the technical aspects of things. They have good guests. They ask good questions, provide a decent amount of value. And I've listened to some of those episodes and liked what I heard. It was a nice change from some of the offers that we get for sponsorship as far as being a legitimate group that I was happy to accept. So they are this one sponsor. Obviously, we are being compensated. I don't want to say that we're not, but I think you're going to find some really good information over on their podcast. So check it out. It's at wing.vc slash podcast. They're hosted by Zachary DeWitt. And if you go there, just let them know that you happen to come from the Crypto Basic podcast. Leave them a comment. Say, hey, Crypto Basic sent me, Brent sent me, whatever. It'd be nice if they could see some sort of uh, some sort of a return from some of our listeners. And maybe th- maybe this will be a longer term relationship than the- just this month. And you know how I am about long term relationships. I've only had one. All right. The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast aren't financial advisors, Brent. They are just skeptical scam detectors who are detecting scammers scamming you. So join us in stopping the scammers. Available on Wallbox. Wallbox.